Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. I'm Sam Rosenberg. I'm here with Shaka Shervington. Um, we're here to talk about Super Bowl 53 that happened this past weekend. Um, probably one of the most forgettable Super Bowls. I think we'll, we'll, I mean, listen, there's many others. There's other Super Bowls that are certainly more forgettable, but this one is definitely going to rank up there. Um, we got to talk about what I'm going to call it the snoozer bowl for that matter. I mean, holy shit. But listen, Shaka, you know what I'm going to ask you. The most important question there is, how is Ezra doing and what did he think of his first Super Bowl? Well, he definitely was bored to death. Um, <laughs> he's actually in the next room right now yelling because this is nap time, but he's deciding he's not in the mood to sleep. So I'm, I'm hoping you guys will be hearing him in the background as we record, but he's good. I love it. I love it. I would love if we got a mini guest appearance from uh, Ezra on this podcast. I would appreciate that. He would probably vocalize some of the feelings that I think most of the fans ad- had out there when we were watching this this game. Yeah. I, I don't. Also, I think that I think they said it's also the the lowest rated in terms of viewership Super Bowl since like two thousand. That's really like that. impressive too. And I'm not. I mean, I'm not fully sure what went into that. Maybe just we're the institutional fatigue of having the Patriots come back year after year. And also maybe the fact that the Rams are not, I'm I'm not, listen, LA is a big market, but you know, the Rams do not have the same type of swagger as a Steelers team or a Cowboys team for that matter. You're absolutely right. And I think also, which I don't think plays into it demographically wise, um, the Saints notoriously have like a giant protest where they completely, you know, just, they boycotted the Super Bowl in general. Even the newspaper um, in New Orleans had a blank page for the Sunday. It said, what Super Bowl? Wow. Wow, that is bold. <laughs> one giant, yeah, blank page. So, have strong feelings going into this period. I mean, that's that's really bold. And, and I can understand some of the discontent from the Saints fans, because this is now the second year in a row their season has ended in just crushing heartbreak. And now last season... Listen, you, no, there's nobody to look at but yourself. I mean, yeah. they played an amazing game against the Vikings, and then, you know, one play just decided the whole thing. This time around, the refs made that decision, and that was an atrocious call. I mean, they have every right to be pissed. I think part of it, too, is just, I mean, Drew Brees is 40, almost 40. Oh, and man. They really have much time left with, I, I mean, arguably one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And uh, you know, records-wise, he's definitely up there. Let's take this. Let's dovetail right into the Super Bowl because let me tell you something. If it was a Patriots Saints Super Bowl, I personally think it would have been a much more exciting game, much yes. more competitive, and and much more of a clash of titans between Breeze and Brady. And instead, you know, listen, I don't want to shit on Jared Goff and the Rams, but I mean, my God, did they really turn in quite a clunker? I mean, let's let's just go right into it. I mean, Sean McVay coming out after the game talking about how he got out coached. Um, we had all of these questions about Todd Gurley going into the game. Didn't fucking matter whether he's injured or he wasn't injured. I mean, he did not have a great game. And in in addition to him not having a great game, it felt like they didn't know how to use him. This, this magical Swiss army knife of a running back. Who's one of the best in the league. All of a sudden the Rams forgot how to utilize this guy. I mean, it felt like they just forgot how to play football practically, but you know, I don't want to take away the defensive performances by both teams in this game, both the the defense for the Rams for listen, and Dominican Sue was playing out of his mind. He definitely disappeared in this game, but Wade Phillips put together a hell of a game plan to slow down Tom Brady and this Patriots team. Patriots were not able to move the ball up and down the field like they had against the Chargers or the Chiefs. And at yep. the same time, 
Patriots defense played in a remarkable game, an amazing game plan that really, again, we talked about it. They forced Jared Koff to beat them, and he could not beat them. He really struggled to make those throws. And, you know, time and time again, I've heard pundits talk about the fact that Jared Goff cannot really predict routes. He's not a guy who throws the ball and gets the guy open. He needs to see the guy breaking. He needs to see the route open. And there was a couple of plays where you saw it. I mean, there was at least two touchdown passes to Brandon Cooks where, you know, one time he barely caught the ball, one time the pass was late, and it's just like those could have decided the whole game if those passes were a little bit better. Uh, I could go on and on, but Chaka, let's hear some of your thoughts and let's just dig into it a little bit more. Well, I think you hit on a couple of the beats that I really wanted to touch on, and that one is the Rams really forgot to play football. And I I thought about that concept because really that's what it looked like. It looked like their offense was kind of unfamiliar with each other. Like they hadn't really had that much time together. It's a chance to get a rhythm. I mean, everything was kind of off. Timing on throws. A lot of Jared Goff's passes were underthrown. Um, it, it just really looked like they were completely out of sync. But when you think about it, Todd Gurley on the season, 1,200 rushing yards. I mean, 60 catches for another 600 yards. He really was a multi-purpose kind of back where you could throw him out of the backfield. And that's something they really did not utilize at all in the playoffs. I mean, it was a, a glaring difference in their offense. And when you think about it, that was kind of one of the things that kept their offense honest was that Todd Gurley was such a, a weapon that he could do so many things to you, and they really didn't have that option available to him. And the one thing that the Rams love to do is they love that play option passing. So now the fact that Todd Gurley is not as dangerous a weapon as you know you perceive him to be, all of a sudden the Patriots were just able to key in on on Jared Goff on blitzes because they really really weren't scared of the the the, the play you know that that run pass option that the Rams had killed people with all season. Now, in a couple podcasts, you and I have talked about as the seasons worn on, the Rams have looked more and more beatable. Yep. Their offense doesn't look as efficient, as dangerous, as deadly. And this is something that's happened, I think, now for two years, um, you know, in a row where it seems like Sean McVay's offense has been figured out and he really does not make the adjustments necessary to keep them, you know, variable and dangerous. I completely agree. There was, there was a real need for adjustments and we didn't see it happen. And, you know, and it, and it begs the question, all right, let's say Todd Gurley was injured. I mean, I'm still honestly on the fence. I have no idea if he was actually hurt or not. He didn't look like he was hurt in a couple plays. He had a couple um, nice runs, but they really just didn't utilize him. Yeah. So I have no idea if he was actually hurt or not. But let's say that he was and you know he's hurt. Why not drum up a new game plan? Uh, and, and this is the kind of the critique that McVay's and, and now suffering is that he's supposed to be this, you know, the new paradigm in the NFL, the new offensive genius, you know, he's going to change the way coaches, you know, it, the coaches are chosen. There's a couple guys already who've been picked for teams, you know, that have been chosen based on they want a Sean McVay type of, you know, head coach. And now, you know, in the biggest game of the year, you're only the second team to not score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Oh ever. my God. I mean, to think that their only points came off of a 50 yard field goal. Come on now. So, I mean, there was a lot of question marks in terms of what the hell happened with the offense. The other thing is, and I think we've all kind of known it, and it's not a big secret, is that Jared Goff, the question has always been in the air, is this guy potentially a franchise quarterback? And it's always been kind of, well, maybe, we're not really sure. You know, after that game against Kansas City earlier this year where you're like, man, he really made big throws. Um, He looked clutch. You know, like, he looks like a franchise quarterback. 
as the season wore on, Todd Gurley looked a little less efficient, a little less durable. Goff was put in situations where he had to be the man, and he really did not show up. He had some pretty bad games, and he had that one atrocious game where he threw four interceptions. And you're saying, man, they look really shaky. I mean, the quarterback's the most important position in the NFL. And if your franchise, quote-unquote, quarterback does not look solid, I mean, how solid is the team, period? You know, going into the Super Bowl, look, the Patriots' defenses looked solid all season. They looked like the they, number one defense. They the looked NFL. amazing in this game. So, a part of it, I want to say, yes, they came in with a great defensive game plan. They came in to bear down on the, the, the play option passing to kind of neutralize the run for the Rams, which they did an excellent job on. But at the end of the day, Jared Goff just was not clutch. He just could not make the throws that they needed him to make. He was 0 for 6 on third downs. Yeah. Um, and that one inexplicable play where they tried to lob it up to Brandon Cooks, they just missed him. And then they go right back and do the same thing again. I, for the life of me, could not understand why would you go at arguably the best cornerback in the NFL twice with the same kind of play. Yeah. And he underthrew it. He underthrew it. So I mean, to, to watch – he took four sacks in this game. There was easily one of those sacks where it's just, you. okay, there is a, a section of the field where you can't take a sack. You're in field yeah. goal range. You're close enough. Oh you can't right. take that sack. He took that fucking sack. And moved them out of field goal range. I mean, shit like that is where you're sitting there going, dude, this is, you got to be better than that. This is the Super Bowl and these are the Patriots. That stuff is inexcusable. And you kind of, you look, you, I, I don't want to defend him, but you kind of had to factor in. It's got to be some Super Bowl jitters here, sure. Um, but, I mean, my God, he just, he looks completely rattled yeah. at times during the game. I mean, some of those pet, those um, throws, and it was, a, and look, the Patriots got away with one or two roughing the passing plays. There was one I remember where he ran to the sideline and he got rid of the football and he took a late hit. Yeah. And I remember one of the announcers said that that should have been a penalty because he definitely got hit after the fact. And I think part of it was just the Patriots psychologically kind of working it into him that, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be nightmare um, offensively. I, um, you know, I think that they missed Cooper cup in this game. You know, I, I do think that there was, I mean, but at the same time, it really felt like there was just an institutional failure across the board from the Rams offense from golf underperforming to Sean McVay, not creating a different game plan you know, right down to Todd Gurley not being Todd Gurley. And then really leaning on C.J. Anderson. I mean, there were more passes to C.J. Anderson than there were to Todd Gurley. That's, yeah. what the hell? Crazy. And I think really, you you said it, man. Like, I, I don't really understand what the mentality was. And I, I think one of the things that, it's not a secret in the NFL, every commentator's talked about it, you and I have talked about it, that the Patriots make adjustments. Yeah. They learn to adapt. They look at what you're doing, and then they they, they make the uh, the according uh, you know switches. Uh, the first pass of the game, Tom Brady threw a pick. Yeah, uh, I think they were trying to do a lot of sideline, you know, trickeration and you know craftiness, and the Rams were all over it. So what do they do? They 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 pare down the offense. They already know they don't have this high octane, high powered just crew. So they stuck with what they know. Now, one of the things you can say about Julian Edelman is, I mean, the guy was almost cut from the team years ago. Wow. You know, he's a practice squad guy. They were talking about switching him over to defense. And the, the, the biggest fluke of all fucking time is that Tom Brady was bored one day and asked him if he wanted to play catch. He wanted to go throw the football with somebody. And they wow. failed to from that. And when you look at that, and this is something I'm pointing out now because 
I mean, a lot of NFL teams, I don't understand when you have a franchise quarterback and you have a wide receiver who's got big money or he's got, like, a long-term contract. Anything over three years, the offseason, you guys should be best friends. And I don't mean going to the club together. I don't mean going out to dinner, your wives hanging out. I mean training together. Correct. A rapport. Because that's basically what Tom Brady and Jewel Elliman had. I mean, the guy is unremarkable when you talk about physicality, what you look for when you scout for players. He's like 5'10". He's undersized for wide receiver position. I mean, but he's tough. And I mean, he's so, essentially Wes Welker light. Yes, he runs his routes very well. I mean, probably one of the best route runners in the NFL. Um, he always knows what the, the, the defense teams are. He knows, you know, when to get himself open. Tom Brady knows where he's going to be at at all times on the field. The Rams had no friggin' answer for this guy. No answer whatsoever at any given time. He bailed Tom Brady out on every big downage situation. I granted the Patriots were three for twelve. I'm, I want to bet. I don't even know the numbers, but I'm pretty sure those three um, third downs were to Julian Edelman. Now so, uh, let's yeah. let's rave for a second about about the the Patriots offense, and I'm going to use that to kind of slide right into the Rams defense as well because. You know, the Rams defense did put on a, a pretty decent performance in slowing down this Patriots offense. You know, whereas the Chiefs and the Chargers let the Patriots just pour points on them and they moved down the field, this was one of the first teams that actually started to slow down the Patriots. However, yeah. you know, Tom Brady throws a pick on the very first play of the game. Sure. But let's keep going. Julian Edelman did whatever the fuck he wanted to do in this game. 10 catches for 141 yards. Yeah, he has every right to be the Super Bowl MVP when you look at all the other performers in the game. Gronk. Gronk. I mean, showing up like he's been quiet all year. He was talking about retiring. They were going to trade him to the Lions. And he shows up. You know, I got to quote Bill Simmons in this. He's like the Ferrari that they just pull out of the garage right at the end of the game. And they're just like, all right, now we're going to put you to sleep. I mean, every time they needed those huge plays, Gronk was able to make that big play. They didn't go to him all game because they pulled him out at the end of the game when they needed those huge plays. And voila. He gets them. And then Sony Michelle running all over the place. I mean, this team had a hell of a game plan. Tom Brady, you know, yeah, he wasn't the brilliant Tom Brady that we typically know, but all it took was one game winning drive in the fourth quarter where Tom Brady was money in the bank. Absolutely money in the motherfucking bank. And this team was able to do exactly what they needed to do, but still, Rams defense made this a close game. This was a still a 3-3 game going into the fourth quarter. I mean, it was 3-0 at the half, 3-3 going into the fourth quarter. For all of the poor play that the Rams had, this Rams defense, Wade Phillips, Aaron Donald, all of these guys were able to slow down Tom Brady and force the Patriots into punting situations. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm looking at the, the play-by-play for the game. Yes, the first eight possessions for the Rams were punts. But you also got the Patriots with a lot of punts in here as well. I mean, here's the first couple of possessions for the Patriots. Interception, missed field goal, punt. You know, and, and this was this was a common situation. You know, the Patriots went for it on fourth down. They, they got stuffed. You know, they had a couple more punts in the second half. Like, this was definitely a tighter game than we're giving it credit for because the Patriots were able to just show up and, you know, do some Patriot Tom Brady magic at the end of the game. And Julian Edelman was doing whatever the hell he wanted and converting those third downs. But the Rams were still choking them and keeping it a close game all the way till the end. It's just that at the very end, 
the Patriots were able to go down the field for that one drive and win the game, and the Rams really didn't have any answer whatsoever. I think they kind of ran out of steam. I also do want to point out the the two of the catches that Gronk had, especially in that fourth quarter. I think it was they ran the same play twice. I believe they uh, did. I think they ran the same play, and I just I think they just lined them up in a different slot position. But it was basically something to catch the defense kind of naked for a split second, and that's all it really took. Just one of those kind of lofted over their head throws that a guy of Gronk's size just. I hate to use the word athletic with him, but I mean that's basically what it is. He's he's incredibly athletic for a guy who looks. I mean, he, he looks like a linebacker at times. Okay, right there. real quick, I mean, I'm I'm looking at the the touchdown drive in the fourth quarter. Uh, first and ten from the Patriots, thirty-one. Tom Brady, sh- uh, short right pass to Gronkowski for eighteen yards. First yep. and ten from the New England forty-nine. Tom Brady, short middle pass to Julian Edelman for 13 yards. First and 10 from the Rams, 38. Tom Brady, short left pass to Rex Burkhead for 7 yards. Second and 3, Tom Brady, deep left pass to Gronkowski for 29 yards. First and goal from the 2, Sony Michelle touchdown. That's the one. That's I mean, the 29-yarder. Holy the shit. There's not an incomplete pass there. He moves down the entire field in five plays. Yeah, and when you think about the way, uh, I, again, the Patriots can really do some, some I don't want to quote-unquote, boring, you know, kind of play positions. But what they do is they set themselves up. Now, when you look back at that one, you know, um, to Rex Burkhead, a, a seven-yard pass, now it's second and three. Now the playbook's open where you can you can go ahead and take a shot. You know, mm-hmm. they're not really expecting it. Because and, and, if they, and if they don't complete it, it's still third down. Exactly. But I think the defense is setting, like, you know, at second and three, they're going to run it because it's the Patriots, and this is what they do. And that's how you end up catching a team naked with the same exact play to Gronk because you're not expecting Gronk to get the same exact play on the opposite side of the field. But lo and behold, you get a 30-yard pass, and all of a sudden, now all of this game's, you know, this game's in trouble. So, I mean, after that sequence, now you go to the Rams, all the pressure's on them, and this is one of the actual drives that they managed to move the ball down the field. That's right. You know. Seven plays, 48 yards, two minutes, 45 seconds, interception. And you choke right on the goal line because because so, goddamn if they if he doesn't turn the ball over they could score a touchdown all of a sudden it's a 10-10 game oh shit you know what this reminds me of too there was one other play too there was one other play in the game i think it was the third quarter i'm not gonna remember god um, i mean i got it all in front of me so you just keep talking a deep pass. there was a deep pass that um jared goff threw to brandon cooks but he was so late seeing brandon cooks open that by the time he, it was um he threw the pass there was a defender who caught up to cooks Cooks was in the end zone. He was open. Oh, like- yeah. That was another one of his late passes. Yes. So there were opportunities. And this is something that, look, if you have, and I don't think he has this down. I, I don't, again, I'm not defending Jared Goff. But Brandon Cooks, it's his first year with the Rams. I mean, he's a stellar wide receiver. He does a lot of those things. And he did them in New England, which kind of made Julian Edelman, not necessarily the odd man out last year, but not as vital to the offense as he was this year. Because Brandon Cooks was so fast, so versatile catch the deep ball that he really opened up their playbook last year this season he's done that quite the same for the rams but i don't think he's kind of in the group per se uh, which is why robert woods has such a great season no i agree i definitely think woods was probably more comfortable in the offense than cooks was and i think it showed it showed over the season with cooks's production his production would would be inconsistent and i mean it didn't matter because the rams were still winning but I did notice his inconsistent production. By the way, I found the pass play you're talking about. So immediately, the possession before the Patriots go down the field and score a touchdown, of course, it was another Rams punt, but it was nine plays, 
23 yards, 4 minutes and 58 seconds. Uh, here we go. There's a there's a penalty on the there's a holding penalty on the Rams, so it's uh, first and 20. Jared Goff gets sacked. Second and 22, he throws the ball to Brandon Cooks. That was the late pass. Second and 22. And that was a touchdown. I mean, it, it was it totally was, a touchdown. And then on third and twenty-two, they fucking run it to Todd Gurley, who loses a yard. Yeah, I remember. I remember the the visual. He wasn't going to be in the end zone, but it was a run in, It was a catch and run, and he was maybe ten yards out from there. But I mean, by the time he 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 ran the route, he stopped to turn around, and he was still trying to get Goff's attention. By the time Goff let that thing go, it was it was too late. Right? Yeah, the defense was trying to catch up, and it was just kind of like, oh shit, don't throw a pick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, there's some missed opportunities. And I don't want to say the Rams are completely inept, but you could tell that it's something that happens when, one, the relationship just isn't there. Like, Tom Brady and his receivers. Gronk has been there for years. Even Rex Burkhead's been in the, with the Patriots now. It's his third year with the team, second or third Actually, year I think it's only his second year with the team now. Who, who Mind yeah. you, Rex Burkhead was a third or fourth string running back for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. That's right. Just I mean, another right. example of the Patriots going and getting a distressed asset and turning him into a value. You got a ton of guys in that team that they don't really, they're not marquee players, but they've been there long enough. They know their reps. They run the same plays over and over. They have them down to a T. Um, granted, White didn't have as monumental an impact. Yeah, I was surprised that James White wasn't involved more. And I wonder if that was something they kind of schemed to, you know, like, if we need to, we'll, we'll roll out this vehicle, the James White vehicle. But I think they utilized what they had. And I think White's also had a couple of games now where he, he seems to be, I don't want to say he's had the yips, but he's dropped a couple of those easy bubble passes. And I, I don't know if it, it was a, a, an executive decision by um, Belichick to not really try to focus on him. But he didn't make that the, the soup du jour. But, you know, White, White didn't have a, a, a White game where, you know. You know what? He's, dude, he's won the MVP before in the Super Bowl, hasn't he? He hasn't. He should have. He should have won the MVP against the Falcons a couple of years ago, but they gave it to Tom Brady. Um, I mean, oh, it's Tom Brady. Ooh. But um, what I'm going to say is I feel like I feel like James White could have very easily had a big game, but they didn't need to go there. It was sort of like yeah. instead of throwing to the pass catching back and letting James White get 12 receptions, they were like, we're going to run it to Sony Michelle. We're going to let him put – Sony Michelle had – I'm going to check the numbers. I believe he had 90-some-odd yards of rushing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Sony Michelle, 18 carries, 94 yards, and a touchdown. Like, this is a rookie running back who went out there and did exactly what he needed to do, and this was Belichick saying, no, we don't need to kill you with James White. We're going to run it right up the gut. Like, I mean... And it's been this formula for the playoffs. They've it, been running Michelle a lot this, these playoffs, and he's delivered. I mean, why go away from the, the, the hot hand? And I mean, you know what? Remember all the first couple of weeks of the season when he wasn't healthy and he was missing games and people were shitting on him? Why did the Patriots pick a running back in the first round? I mean, dude, they know what the fuck they're talking about because now he's a Super Bowl champion and he was the only guy to score a touchdown in this game. It's crazy. That's right. Sony Michelle has the only touchdown in this Super Bowl 53. Six touchdowns in the playoffs. My God. Six touchdowns? Jesus. Touchdowns. I I don't even know the running yard numbers, but it's got to be like around 300, 300 plus. I mean, this was, well, the... From a game standpoint, it certainly was, and 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 listen, I think as fans, we want to see touchdowns, we want to see exciting plays. This was not that. This was a defensive game. It was a slog. It was slow. There was. I'm gonna hang on. I'm going to count them right now, just because I've done this before. I want to do it again. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 
8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 14 punts in this game. That's crazy. And we're not even talking about the Patriots going for it on fourth down and getting stuffed, which could have easily been a punt in itself. 14 punts in a game for the lowest scoring Super Bowl ever to come on the heels of last year's Super Bowl, which literally was the most amount of points in a Super Bowl and the most yards ever in an NFL game ever. You gotta love it. I mean, to, to contrast that is just crazy. And... You know, and then you look at the rest of the storyline here, which is that the Patriots won their sixth Super Bowl and, and made it look easy. Tom Brady wins his sixth Super Bowl. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've been hearing people say things like, I don't know if there's another player or institutional stability in all four major sports like you have with the Patriots and, and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. I, I, none of these sports are conducive to repeating and being consistent like this and probably the sport which is the least conducive to it is the NFL and to have a team like the Patriots a quarterback like Tom Brady and a coach like Bill Belichick seem to almost be to have them be light years ahead of everybody else in the league every single year and to seem to do it almost seamlessly for nearly two decades I mean, I'm just going to throw this out there. I don't know if we'll ever see anything like this again. And that's the only reason I'm not thoroughly annoyed with this entire situation is because I'm watching greatness with this Patriots yeah, team. that's the only – that's the, the, the clincher. I, if we're talking about sports, I think maybe the last time we saw an organization or a franchise this domino is maybe the Chicago Bulls, and even then that was kind of tenuous. Yeah, you um, know, like when that ended, it ended. I mean, I would almost yeah. say something like the San Antonio Spurs, but that's sort of not – I don't know if that's the same thing either. Right. I think if we really have to kind of the, the closest thing I can think of is maybe the Celtics ages ago before like we were yeah. even freaking born. That, and that's you know, the so closest I really thing I can think of. Reference. I don't really have a frame of reference because I wasn't there for that era. Like I, I don't, I can't tell you what the atmosphere was, what the vibe was there. I mean, what we have now is what it is. And that's the Patriots. And I mean, Tom Brady, I, I feel like he's going to play next season, obviously. And maybe a season after that. God knows that they win another Super Bowl after this. After I'm done vomiting, it's entirely possible that <laughs> look at him thinking about, there's nothing left to prove. I can just retire now. Dude, and you know, remember a couple of years ago with Jimmy Garoppolo and the suspension, and all of a sudden it was like, why are you trading him? How much longer is Tom Brady going to play? Not only is Tom Brady continuing to play, he's continuing to win Super Bowls. Can we talk about that a little bit? I always think about that, and I have a conspiracy theory, but I've never really sussed it out into the Dude, air. So we know Garoppolo drop it. Traded. Just drop it. I, and I'm wondering, I mean, when you think about how the Patriots handle personnel and, you know, I mean, it's strictly business. I don't think they were going to give Tom Brady the, like, the, the unceremonious shove-off, but I feel like they came to him and said, hey, look, we want to start grooming the future here. You know, we, we, we're, we're, we're looking to transition. I think they obviously came to him out of respect as gentlemen. And Tom Brady was just like, fuck you. I'm not ready to retire. I'm not ready to move off into the sunset. I think I can still play. Obviously, we know how that ended. But um, I, mean, I, I think that's what it was. And I think uh, Kraft had to kind of, you know what? I don't want to rock the boat. And granted, I want to set up the future, but I don't want to rock the boat. So this guy's got to go. I, I, Dude, I'm going to agree with you. I think that that probably really did happen. I know everyone says it was all copacetic and there was no issues at all. But I think you're probably right. And, um, you know, 
I think any other situation, you go with the younger guy, but Tom Brady is fucking Tom Brady. And I mean, even if Jimmy Garoppolo was as good as we think he is, and he isn't, and you know, he's not injured and he stays on the Patriots, would Jimmy Garoppolo be able to, t- to take them that far and win them a Super Bowl again? I-, I mean, I don't know if you can do that. And Tom Brady is the guy who can go and do that. I mean, even at age 40 something, he is still strolling out there. I, I mean, I'm sure it's not easy, but he makes it look easy. And he brings home another Super Bowl title. I mean, I think about all these other franchises that just barely win one. And, and you know, I mean, Nick Foles is going to be a god in Philadelphia for decades to come for the simple and one Super Bowl that he has won. And Tom Brady seems to just stroll back into the Super Bowl like it's nothing. And, I mean, how can you ever – I mean, I would, I would think t- Tom Brady needs to be like, you know – he. He needs to, like, you know, get to be 57 years old and, like, you know, have his leg amputated because of some weird disease. That's the only reason I can think he's ever going to retire from, from, from football. I mean, Brett Favre saying, I still think I can play, sounds nothing like Tom Brady saying, I still think I can play. If Tom Brady says, I still think I can play, you, you sign him to another year. Yeah, Tom Brady, I mean, has an entire, like, diet regimen called TB12. And the last time I saw Brett Favre, he was doing copper fit commercial with Jerry Rice. <laughs> so I think there's a night and day. Um... The last time I saw Brett Favre, he was sending pictures of his dick to people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I think he was with the Jets, too, when that happened. So I'm cringing a little bit. I still think I could play. <laughs> I have a morbid curiosity of seeing the Patriots post Tom Brady. And by that, I mean, again, we're talking about could Jimmy Garoppolo do what Tom Brady's done? And I don't mean in terms of, you know, Super Bowl after Super Bowl, but actually make the Patriots a, a, a perennial threat. Like, is this something where uh, Belichick could plug in guys, you know, like he does with every other piece of personnel? Running backs are faceless, wide receivers are faceless and really get kind of the same results. Because you get a quarterback who puts up 28 touchdowns, maybe 10 picks a year, take you to the playoffs on a yearly basis. Also, uh, remember, reminder, Belichick is 67 now, I think. He, uh, six, he is 66, and he is officially the oldest Super Bowl winning coach. So, I mean, I don't know how much longer he's going to want to do this, especially if Tom Brady's gone. And, I mean, you kind of got to pick up the pieces with a, a relationship with a brand-new quarterback who's got to learn all your shit again. I, I don't know. I'd be curious to see if he sticks around and, and gives it a go. I mean, we've but, only really seen it with a couple of quarter. You know, Matt Castle, we saw it that one year. And yeah. then we saw a little bit of it with Jimmy G and Jacoby Brissett. And so I think, you know, there's an ability there. I think there certainly tells you a lot about the coaching. Um, but even with those guys, you saw a limitation. You know, you yeah. saw that, oh, there's a, there's a difference here between what Brady can do and what these guys can do. And I think Belichick is an amazing coach. And I think Brady probably wouldn't perform at the same level on another team. Like, you know, how would Brady do if he was playing for the Packers? Or, you know, how would Brady do if he was playing for the Saints, for that matter? But... I mean, there's something magical about the two of them together, and I mean, I'm just in awe. And and truthfully, as 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 sadistic as it sounds, I want them to come back next year because you know what? I think this is amazing, and I don't want it to end. I I, I sort of feel like I'm not ready to let this brilliance disappear. I am annoyed at the fact that they friggin' just get to the Super Bowl every year like it's nothing. But you know, I take more solace in the when they blow a game against the Miami Dolphins on the final play of the game. Like, yeah, they should get some egg on their face. They deserve to not always be perfect. Um, 
but I'd rather see greatness. I'd rather see Tim Duncan and Greg Popovich come back out there and dominate again. You know, I'd rather... That's a good comparison, I think, yeah. You know, because we're going to look back and look at a shitty Patriots team in 15 years with a bad quarterback and a forgettable coach, and we're going to look back on the glory days and be like, damn, they were so good then. I think I'm neutral in terms of the return, really, because I don't don't think the Jets are going to be really contenders in this division next year. Maybe not the year after either. Um, And all the more reason why... I guess I'm neutral because I don't really give a shit that if Tom Brady runs the division again, runs the table, it, it makes no difference to me. So, I mean, sure, if we're going to have another year of glory, bring it on. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what Adam Gase does with Sam Darnold. I think Adam Gase is a good hire. I like that. And I, I just looked on um, Brian Flores, who was the, I think he was the, the linebackers coach for the Patriots, just took Miami job. Yeah, he's going to be head coach of the Dolphins. Which, uh, another guy from the, the Belichick tree, which really hasn't worked out for a lot of teams. But, uh, I mean, they keep trying. They keep plugging these guys in and putting them in, you know, in head coaching positions. So we'll see. I mean, I, I don't th- – listen, I think Brian I, – I got respect for Brian Flores. I think he's a pretty good coach, pretty good, you know, coordinator. I think he did some good work with the Patriots this year. I mean, he was involved in that Patriots defense that won the Super Bowl. Um but I don't really feel confident about these defensive head coaches getting hired for, you know, franchises. And, and I don't really trust anything the Dolphins do. I think they're a really terribly run franchise. And I just think that, you know, this is, this is another way of shooting themselves in the foot and trying to get a defensive head coach to make the most out of Ryan Tannehill. I don't, I'm not buying it. Hey, look, when you think about um, the Sean McVay method of doing things, they're 0 for 1 in Super Bowl so far. And they haven't scored a touchdown in Super Bowl. So, I mean, I don't know. Whatever works at this point, right? Wow, that's that's a hell of an indictment right there. <laughs> I mean, listen, the, the Rams did they did pour thirty points on the Cowboys. That's something. Yeah, I'll take that. I, I, if it keeps the Cowboys quiet for another year, I'll take it. <laughs> um. Well, uh, Chuck, I think that's it. I think we can close the books on this season, man. It's been a good season. It's been a good season. It's been very exciting, very interesting. You know, a lot of offense. Patrick Mahomes winning MVP with 50 touchdown passes. Third. Amazing. I mean, my God. And, uh, you know, Big Dick Nick swinging it around, doing some magic at the end of the season for the Eagles. I mean, so I'm hearing they might franchise him. They might give him the franchise. That's what I'm hearing. So they they exercised his player option for $20 million. He then paid $2 million to void the player option. They're talking about franchise tagging him because they want to get something for him, and they know he's got value, and they just don't want to let him walk out the door. And Listen, I got a lot of faith in Howie Roseman. I think that he's a really savvy executive. He'll probably figure out the, the way to maximize that trade asset. And... You know, truthfully, I I think I don't think they're doing wrong by Nick Foles. I think he's going to end up in a pretty good situation somewhere, and you know he's really going to get an opportunity to to be the guy, to be the starting quarterback. And you know he's had that once or twice before. It hasn't really worked out, but I don't really think the institutions have been surrounding him properly. I mean, listen, he got moved out of Philadelphia because Chip Kelly's a fucking idiot, and then yeah. you know he was with the Rams pre Sean McVay, Jared Goff, when it was just Jeff Fisher, and Jeff Fisher clearly forgot how to coach. So, you know, maybe he gets put in a positive situation where he does get an opportunity to thrive. But I think you're right. I mean, I think the Eagles will franchise him because they're smart and they know they can get something for him. Uh, My money's on Jacksonville. That's what they're saying. And you know what? That'd be a good idea. Maximize that window. Maximize that defense. Right now, for 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 both, you know... Nick Foles and the Jaguars, I think it's a good situation. Yeah. I, I, I mean, he's got young wide receivers out there. Obviously a good running back, a good defense. 
So he might be the missing piece. I mean, that would be a hell of a step for Jacksonville. And, you know, they really need to, they need to part ways with Blake Bortles. That's not the, I, he had his year. There's some positivity to what he can do, but you're not going to win championships. You keep going in that route. Yeah. He's, he's a good backup, but he's not a franchise quarterback. <sighs> oh man, it's over. I'm just, I'm, I'm shedding a tear. The season's over. We're not, it's now we got to, we got to go back into hibernation until, uh, until next Labor Day when everything else comes back out. And I guess, well, maybe we'll, maybe we'll check in during the summertime during free agency. If there's any crazy moves. Yeah, I'm going to be huddled up, obviously, for the draft because I'm very curious to see if the Jets take an offensive Ooh, lineman yeah. or defensive end first. Uh, th- th- this is a pretty um, loaded draft in terms of talent. And granted, there are big three quarterbacks you know, to be drafted. I think the teams that are up first don't really have those quarterbacks as these. So we're going to see a lot of trades, I think. Yeah, I think we'll see a lot of trades. And I'd... I'd I'm hoping for the best that the Jets do pick an O lineman because they need to they need to keep Sam Darnold upright. Yeah. Look, and it's Tom Brady got one sack the entire playoffs. I, Jesus, it matters. The, the pass protection or his O line was so good. Matters. So I, I mean, I, I think about it all the time. Look, the year when the Cowboys uh, with Dak Prescott's rookie year, that Cowboys offensive line made him look a lot better than he actually was. And yeah. I mean, he's a good quarterback, granted, but I, but I, I mean, that offensive back. line was playing like one of the best ever. So I, I think it, it, it's criminally undervalued. At the same time, linemen are some of the best paid in the NFL. Yeah. I think it's criminally under underrated when you got wide receivers who run their mouths and, you know, it's, yeah. it's just, it's important. I mean, abs- especially when, you know, the Eagles won last year, their offensive line was fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. So it's, it's, you can't lose. You can't lose when you go with the O-line. So I hope they go there first and the defense um, there's there's a ton of depth in this draft. They need another quarterback. I think Buster Screen's gonna be gone. A yeah. few guys who gonna have to address in the off season. And also, I would like them to draft. I don't know. I I want to say a wide receiver that is probably you know middle of the field. I think there's a lot of options out there. Again, I, I, this is a very deep draft, so I think they should address that probably in the second round, as early as possible. Dude, let's hope they make some smart moves. All right, man. I. <laughs> Right, Mike McCagnan, right? He's still he's still running the draft board. Yeah, he's. I, I mean, I I don't really have an overall evaluation. He's had some solid. I mean, Jamal Adams. I can't complain. Um, he he he's got a couple hits, but he has some misses in terms of free agency. So we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, once we get to free agency this year. When they have when they uh, the Jets open up their wallets. Oh man, it's going to be an exciting one. Second All right. Highest, uh, second highest. I think they have the second most money to spend. Yeah. Th- well, they should be spending it. They got a lot of holes to fill. So we'll see. But that's it, man. 2018 season is in the books. The New England Patriots end up winning Super Bowl 53, 13 to three over the Los Angeles Rams. Oh, and now we got to get out of here. We got to. We got to. We'll, we're going to check back in probably closer to the draft to reflect on what's happening and get ready for next season. But Thanks a lot for listening to Sam Sports Podcast. As always, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud. You can like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. You can follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones. And, of course, if you got any questions for Shaka and I, you can always email us at SamSportsStation at gmail.com. But, uh, Shaka, I think it's time for us to get out of here until next season. It's been an honor and a pleasure.
working with you, my friend. Dude, always an honor and a pleasure working with you as well. It's one of the joys of my week is getting on the mic and being able to chat some football with you. So thank you, my friend. Amen. Everyone out there, I hope you guys enjoyed the season. Congrats to the New England Patriots. Amazing season. Congrats to the Rams for an amazing season as well. For all you Eagles and Jets fans, we'll be back next year to make some more fucking noise and start some shit, and hopefully Super Bowl champions will be a little different this time around next year. But in the meantime, take it easy. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Enjoy the offseason.